Hey everybody, Danny here. This is episode 149 of Music Lesson Business Academy. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about how to get shit done. And also we're going to do Music Lesson Business Lever number six, which is transactions per customer. So in our case, retention. Let's roll the intro. Hey, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Music Lesson Business Academy. I'm your host, Danny Thompson, as always. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. If this is your first time here, thanks so much for checking it out. I hope you get some good information out of the show here. While I'm mentioning that, if you haven't and you feel so inclined to, go over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating for the show. It's very helpful. Uh, there's a bunch of great reviews over there. I really appreciate it, you guys. Thank you so much for the continued support. Hope everybody's doing good out there. Um, hope things are stabilizing a little bit for everybody in their music schools. Um, I feel like my school, which has made you know this big jump to staying with online lessons forever, you know, we're not even ever really going to go back as far as most of our lessons are concerned, I feel like we're starting to find our groove a little bit and sort of reinvent, you know, all these things that we used to do in person that now we have to figure out a way to do online or change in some way to still get the result and the benefit that we were getting from these things. And, and I'm going to touch on some of those things in today's episode as well. Uh, but main Elements of today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about productivity, how to get stuff done, how to get more stuff done, I guess I should say. And we're also going to do um, music lesson business lever from the seven levers. We're going to do lever number six, which is transactions per customer, which in uh, the music lesson business is going to be retention. So I'm going to give you a couple things you can do to potentially help your retention. Uh, before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by NeverAloneBusinessServices.com. They do Google uh, pay-per-click ads, Facebook ads, SEO, website design, general marketing, stuff like that. Talk to Chris and Jen over there at Never Alone Business Services. Tell them you heard about it on Music Lesson Business Academy and you'll save 100 bucks off their services. I use Chris. Uh, and Jen for my Google pay-per-click ads, and they've always done a great job for me. So check those guys out. Also, this episode is brought to you by TeacherZone, the fine folks over at TeacherZone, which you can use for your billing and your scheduling and your student learning management. Go to TeacherZone.com, hit those guys up. They would love to give you a free demo. All right, let's get into today's episode. Okay, so how do you get more stuff done? And <clears throat> I'm going to give you just a couple of things that I do that I think a lot of people do uh, to help with productivity. 
Um, and some of it's kind of old school, you know, I'm, I'm a tech guy. I love all my tech toys. You know, I've got like all these cool cameras and I've got my new like Insta 360 camera, um, which is super fun. And my different GoPros that I use, I've got, you know, my Bluetooth motorcycle <laughs> communication stuff. I love cool cameras and tech gear. Uh, and I love to use cool software, you know, in my business and, you know, always looking for an edge with something like that. However, <clears throat> when it comes to day-to-day -day productivity, I'm pretty old school. And I think a lot of people might be better off if they kind of stuck to the old school with uh, these kind of things. So number one, this is the oldest trick in the book, and it still just works great. And that is to make a list every day. Now, the key thing about making a list every day, and I always use my rocket book where I can, uh, you know, erase the page and, and start over again so I don't have to go through notebooks. But the key element to it is, you know, it's okay if you don't get everything on your list done. The key is to have the list. That's where you got to start. And it sounds so basic and so stupid that it's like, okay, we've been hearing about this for a million years. I'm sure everybody makes a list, but I know people that I work with that don't really have a list every single day, you know? Um, so it, it, it's something to think about. You make that list every day. You just start crossing shit off as you're getting it done then the key is it's okay if you don't get everything done that day. Just, you know, what doesn't get done, you just move it back to the top for tomorrow's list and keep adding to it. And the reality is if you just do that every day, you'll find how you get so much stuff done. Instead of looking for some technology edge, you know, a timer that's going to you know, track how much time you spend online or you're going to do 20 minutes of work and then a five minute break and 20 minutes of work and a five minute break. You know, I look at those things as just another fad diet, you know, people don't stick to them and that's the reason that they don't work. This is easy. You make a list and you just stick to it and you check it off. It's worked for years for tons of people and I'm sure it'll continue to work. Oops. I accidentally turned my one of my recording devices off. I've got too much tech going, trying to do video for this podcast as well as audio, my normal audio. So trying to figure out my workflow system here as we're talking about tech and how I'm going old school. I've got total tech going right now. So my microphone's running into a small mixer, which is I'm running into my computer and recording on two different programs. So I'm recording some basic audio into a DAW where I usually edit just the audio and put my bumpers and all that other stuff in after the fact. But I'm also running into ScreenFlow and I have my nice Sony camera on so that I can edit that and turn that into a YouTube video. So if you didn't know, these episodes are now gonna be on YouTube if I can make this work right. Uh, and see, I gotta figure out a workflow here that gets it done without taking too long. So. And I think this will work. I think this is a good way to do it. So anyway, get back to your list and just make that list every day. Cross those things off. It's so simple. It works so great. And yet so many people don't do it. Second great thing you can do for productivity. And 
This is another one that I, I really love, especially for, and this is more for your big picture stuff. Cause if you kind of look at, you know, what you need to get done, it's easy to kind of break it into these two things. You have like, here's things I want to get done today. I need to follow up with this customer. I need to send this email, these emails. I need to, you know, schedule this, you know, I might have this meeting. I have a zoom meeting at two o'clock with this person. And here's what we're going to talk about. I have this, this, and this, those are kind of like daily activities. You have that stuff on your list and you get them done. But what about big picture, long-term projects? Where do you put those things? And again, I go old school with this, and I like a big, dry erase board. And the reason I always loved having that in my office is it's easy for me to put those big picture things up there, and, and they're always staring at you then throughout the course of every day. So you're continually looking at it and reminding yourself, okay, yep, we're, you know, I'm doing the, the, you know, the website rebuild and have notes up there of here's tasks that need to get done for that website rebuild or what, whatever bigger project you might be working on. You know, the daily list, you'd have to keep putting website on every daily list. So separate things into these two areas, small stuff you're going to get done daily, you know, tasks that are daily and your big picture projects that are maybe, you know, weeks, months, or even, you know, six months out from completion. Um, you know, you're writing a new curriculum type of thing for your school or a new series of testing and rewards or anything like that. Put that on that dry erase board. So every day when you come into your office and you look around, it's, it's in your face, reminding you of these things that you need to get done. All right. So this next one, and, and I think a lot of you guys that listen to the podcast, I think I'm maybe preaching to the choir a little bit, um, and this probably isn't so much for you, but maybe there's a few of you that this is, uh, will impact you, um, and hopefully I can get this message out to the people that really need to hear it, because, and I'll explain that a little bit more, but one of the biggest time wasters that I see kind of in our industry is that people are just spending a ton of time in Facebook groups. And I've really, I mean, I've been feeling this way for a while, but I think Facebook groups are just a horrendous waste of time, including my own Facebook group. Um, you know, somebody like me who has a podcast and, you know, I do some courses or some coaching and stuff like that. Yeah, I have a Facebook group to help build a community. But if I look at it from the standpoint of me as a business owner, because you know, I'm in other Facebook groups, and they're all the same, even outside of our industry, they're, they're, there's just very little useful, good information inside a Facebook group. I don't think I've gotten really more than one or two or three, just a few ideas that I actually use in my music school from being in other Facebook groups. Um, I've met people and made connections, which then that turned into ideas and things we used, but more so from, you know, building that community and, and getting a chance to really interact with those people. You know, I see people that are in 10 different music lesson. They're in every Facebook group that has anything to do with teaching piano or piano lesson. They're in every single group. And, and just commenting and posting on every group. And it's like, how much time are you do, spending inside those groups? And, 
you know, it, it's just kind of a labyrinth of stuff in there that it's so hard to filter through to get the good information out of there. Um, so, you know, I would say me personally, you know, again, I'm in other Facebook groups in other, you know, outside of the music lesson business, and they're all the same. There's like so much complaining all the time and just very little quality information. And the mentors that I follow and I listen to, they don't spend any time in a Facebook group. They, they, they're just like, they're not there. There's other areas that they connect that are more controlled and they can control the quality of the information. And that's one of the problems that I have with the Facebook group is it's an open forum for anybody to post what they think about a given topic or subject. And, you know, I believe in obviously, you know, people having that ability for, to express what they think or, um, you know, the free speech element of it. But when you're looking at it from, you know, looking to make a decision about your business, I think you got to be careful because you don't really know where that person is necessarily coming from. And if what they're saying is true or accurate, um, you know, without you digging into that person's, you know, background or looking at their business to say, okay, this person actually looks you know, pretty successful. Maybe this is a good way to go. And, um, you know, there's just, I see so much bad information in there. It's like you spend more time trying to cut through that to try to get people on the right track. So I would completely eliminate the Facebook group thing from your day-to-day -day activity or narrow, like bring it way back, find your whatever, which group you like the best and just be in that one group you're probably hearing the same stuff from a bunch of the same people. Now, along with that, something that I, you know, really notice is the most successful people or schools that I see in our industry, they're not really in the Facebook groups commenting because they're busy doing more important stuff. And, and I think that's just something that you guys need to think about is, you know, where are you spending your time? You know, are you, when you could be maybe taking a class or doing a Zoom call or doing some training with one of your teachers or you're getting some training from a mentor or coaching or anything like that instead of just commenting within 12 different Facebook groups. I know it feels good at times to have that connection to other people, especially if things are going bad. You know, misery loves company. To be able to go in there and say, oh, what should I do about this customer, you know? It makes you feel good to hear a bunch of other people go, yeah, you're right, and that customer's wrong. I get it. We've all done that, you know, from time to time. But it's not really helping you move forward or be more productive or really solve that problem. So, you know, I, I, in a past episode, you know, I love to talk about Jim Rohn, my favorite mentor. <laughs> but, you know, how Jim Rohn always, um, you know, like to focus in on the philosophy, you know, and if you want to be successful, here's something you should do. You should watch and see what other successful people do and then mimic what they do, you know? So the mentors that I follow that are successful, they're not really like hanging out in Facebook groups. So if you've never read the Jim Rohn books, um, 
I, I would highly recommend it. He, he's still um, one of my all-time favorites, the five major pieces to the life puzzle. It's a great book. Um, something else I talked about a long time ago on the show was Stephen Covey's four quadrants, you know, the four boxes. And where are you spending your time? So there's box one, two, three, and four, and it's kind of graphed out where you have the boxes and then one access is... Is it urgent or not urgent? And then the other access is, is it important or not important? And where we want to be is box two, which is important, but not urgent, right? It's not a fire. And important would be hiring a teacher, doing a real high quality interview, um, training those teachers or training your staff. Um, doing a review of a teacher or a review of staff members, um, you know, big picture marketing, working on, you know, uh, a new website design, big picture stuff. That's not, it's not like it has to happen this second because there's a fire, but it's very important that it gets done. It's just not urgent today. Box one is kind of your fires. Like it's important and it's kind of urgent. And that could be like, you know, a customer service issue that you've got to deal with right that second. It's important and it's urgent. You can't really avoid it. But you also want to try to build your business so that you have less and less and less of box one type stuff. And the way to do that is by spending most of your time in box two, by tra hiring better, training better things like that, you're going to eliminate a lot of the urgent fires that break out, you know, a scheduling mishap or, you know, whatever the teacher did the wrong thing through good systems and training and good hiring. You eliminate a lot of that stuff. So think about spending your time working on things that are important, but not urgent box two. All right. So let's talk about a lever Number six, which is transactions per customer. And, you know, originally the seven levers was kind of um, designed more around like, you know, retail commerce or e-commerce, you know, where customers are just making a purchase. So for us, transactions per customer, if you have a student that sticks with you and each month we're auto billing their credit card. We can consider that, you know, if one customer only had five transactions, five auto billings, and another customer had 24 auto billings, 24 transactions, obviously 24 is a lot better. The more of our customers that we can have higher and higher number of transactions with, the better. So in our case of the music school, that's all about student retention. And I'm going to do an episode in the near future here where I'm going to interview two teachers from my school. I'm going to have them on at the same time. Um, and, I, and I thought about that as I wrote this down today. But hands down, the number one thing that impacts retention is the teacher, whether it's teachers that work for you or if you're a solo teacher, it's you. And if you're having issues with retention, so obviously if you're a solo teacher and you're having issues with retention, you got to really examine what you're doing. Are there things maybe you could do differently? Or um, are there teachers that you take lessons with that you really love and you could emulate some of those things? If you have teachers working for you, um, obviously that could be a hiring issue. It could be a training issue. Um, so I, I want to interview um, my director of curriculums, who's also a partner at my school, Brian. 
and I want to interview our drum and our main drum instructor. We have a couple, but he's our main instructor, Nick. Now, these two guys both have more students today than they did at the start of the pandemic. So not only, you know, were they able to hold on to their students, but I've been giving them more students and they're both 100% full for the most part. There might be like one opening, you know, in some weird time that's hard to fill. Um, and, you know, the guitar lessons with Brian is 100% online. Drums, we are now back to in person for drums, but some of the students are still online. But definitely there was a couple of months there where the drum lessons were also 100% online. And they were, you know, they're a little more difficult from the audio standpoint and the cameras and, and all that. And we, we worked on it to make it better and better and better. But still, it was hard to get it to the level that our guitar lessons are at from an online standpoint. But man, he held on to his students amazing. And that really comes down to that teacher's personality and their connection with their students. And yes, these guys are both great players. They've got plenty of knowledge. You know, they know their stuff, but that's not the main thing. It's the way that they teach those things. They're both very organized, but they have great personalities at the same time, you know, so they're getting stuff done with that student. And, you know, it's not all fun and games. But then they know also how to how to present those things in a fun way or just in an engaging way. And they're just really good communicators, great communicators, not only with the student, but with the parents. Um, so I want to have those guys on and and really do a deep dive with them because it's a it's a big issue. It's a little hard just in today's episode to just do too much about the teacher and retention. But number one, teacher is everything when it comes to retention. Now, here's a few other things that you could be doing at your school to help with retention or, again, you as a solo teacher. And I think this stuff's even more important right now. We got to really rethink a lot of it because of the fact that so many of us are still probably doing online lessons. So one is, do you have some kind of rewards program? And that might be built around your curriculum. You might have quizzes or tests kind of built into your curriculum. And then when they pass different levels, are they getting any kind of rewards for that and recognition for the rewards? So, um, you know, are you shooting videos of them and posting it online or sending it to the parents or just giving them some kind of award and taking a picture? Um, you know, it could also you could reward them for participation in events and recitals and, and things like that. So that's a big one. Speaking of events and recitals. Um, you know, obviously for our schools, this has always been something that we want to do. And, and this does tie in a little bit to the teacher because some teachers are great at getting their students to perform in different events or recitals or to be in your band program and things like that. And other teachers, you know, you'll have an event go by and they didn't have a single student in that event. Um, and you can really see a correlation to the retention and uh, the students that participate in events or are in bands and do more than just do a lesson with the teacher. So, you know, obviously right now we got to rethink that stuff a little bit. You know, what can we do to replace, you know, the 
recital event that we used to do. So even if you're doing some online, uh, I'm sorry, if you're doing some in-person lessons or maybe you've gone back 100% to all in-person, you're probably still not really doing like the big, you know, 200, 300 people in a room watching the recital. So you got to come up with other things. I've been doing these live streams. Got an awesome one coming up. October 11th, we're doing the spooky edition of the live from the Stardust Lounge live stream. That one's going to be fun, kind of a Halloween themed live stream. I'll be sure to post that um, so you guys can, can take a look at that. I guess that's a good thing in the Facebook group. I can post examples of things like that. Um, however, I do that pretty often and hardly anybody ever watches those things. So I guess they don't want ideas, you know, of things you could do. That's weird. It's weird what stuff people will really respond to in a Facebook post in a group and what stuff they won't respond to or interact with at all or watch or read. It's interesting. It's always so much of it is the opposite of what I think. Um, but, you know, can you do video performances? Can you do live streams? You got to keep the events going so that you keep that connection going with the students. It's got to be more than just a lesson. And then the last thing I was going to mention today is, again, a connection to the students with each other. How do we connect more students together? Because this is an issue long before we started doing online lessons. Most students show up to the school, you know, at Tuesday at three for their lesson. They may see a few other parents and students that are there for lessons, and then they interact with their teacher and then they leave. And, and when they come at Tuesday at three every week, it's always the same other kids that are there for a lesson. So unless they're in some type of group class or a band type of thing or performing in an event, there's no real connection to other people. And I think this is the biggest issue going on in the music lesson world is that, you know, the 12-year-old who takes guitar from me, there's no way really for him to connect to a 12-year-old that takes guitar lessons at some other school across the country or on the other side of the world. And, and, and that would be amazing if they could. But we may be able to, and that, that might be a long ways off, but we can connect them with other students within our school. And, um, you know, we've talked about this conceptually, but it's always been really hard to do. Um, I spoke with Jason from Blue and Green Music out in uh, Phoenix this week. He's got some really cool stuff going on when it comes to making this student connection thing. Now, this is, again, the, you know, like this is an idea that I am definitely stealing from another music school owner, but I didn't get it from a Facebook group. I got it because he and I, you know, are kind of connected through a community where we actually get on the phone or get on a zoom call and we do some coaching, but you know, hopefully I've given him some great ideas, but I get ideas back when we, when I do it that way. And that's what I love about that versus again, a Facebook group. So, um, but he's got some great stuff going on when it comes to connecting students to each other. And I'll probably have him back on the show. He's been our guest before. I'll probably have him back on sometime in the near future to talk a little bit more about that. But there are some software programs and some ways that you could try to connect your students with each other through, you know, um, you could go as simple as just trying to get people to connect 
and see each other's performances through, you know, pictures and videos on your social media um, or just sharing through, um, you know, email campaigns and things like that, sending things out to the parents and asking them, hey, can you show this to to your child? We want them to see this band performance to see if it's something they want to do. You got to start thinking about how do we connect student to student within our school. I don't have all the answers for that one yet. It was an issue before online lessons, and now it's really an issue, but there's an opportunity there to connect people. And, you know, one thing you could do would be the collaborative recordings. And I think this is a great thing to do because you can take that drummer who normally does his lesson at Tuesday at three with your drum teacher, have him play a part, have a guitar student who does a lesson on Fridays at four with a different teacher and a sing, you know, get a singer from another teacher, all have them record parts for a song, shoot video, put it into a really cool collaborative recording and video. So now they're seeing these other kids that they don't, didn't even maybe know about and they hear them play and they're like, holy cow, this kid's great. Or this singer is awesome. And I sound really good on my guitar part. And now they're connected to some other kids. They can share that with friends, put it, you know, put that video up on YouTube, things like that. So that's an idea there for connecting students together. All right, guys, that's it for today. I hope you get some good stuff out of this episode and we'll see you next week.